Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by Don Callahan today. Don, how was your weekend, man? It was good. It was good. Um, as can be expected for anyone who follows UNC football recruiting, you know, with the big um, official visit weekend, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point during this podcast, uh, I, w- I was pretty busy. And in addition to that, we actually, it was, well, my son's birthday was Friday, so, but we celebrated it on Saturday. And so I had, for about half a day, a house full of about, I think about 10 boys, which, okay. um, you know, um, you know, 10 around 11 years old. So, um, yeah, I had a pretty hectic weekend to say the least. Nice. How about I yours? Tried, it was all right. I tried to take it a little bit easy this weekend. The weather has been up and down, especially for North Carolina. I mean, it was really weird because Friday when a Friday lot of was the, beautiful. Well, Friday was actually super rainy. I thought Saturday it was, was but was the beautiful. temperature the temperature was nice because I was able to actually open up my windows for the first time in several months. Uh, and but but yes, I mean it was it just it rained throughout the day. So I, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, well, like that's the thing is you know on Friday when most of the recruits were, I'd imagine getting in into Chapel Hill. I was kind of like, man, they are getting in when it is just pouring rain. This sucks. And then Saturday, it was, you know, bright and sunny. It was just super cold. <laughs> yes. Yes, so, exactly. It is that time of year for strange weather. Um, but, hey, you know, that's North Carolina. It is what it is. And as you said, Don, we will be getting to the recap of the huge official visit weekend. To start, though, I wanted to go ahead and talk about our offensive line rankings. For those who listen to the podcast, this is something that we started doing about a month ago now uh, where we are ranking the the guys on the recruiting board at different positions. We did the running backs back in, was it November, Dawn? I feel like it was like late November, right? It was either November or December. Okay. I can't remember exactly when, but it was a couple weeks ago. And, you know, this is something that we're trying to get the listeners involved in, people on the message boards. And... From what you were telling me off air, we actually got a handful of people to send in their rankings of the offensive line prospects. So let's go ahead and start with those, and then you and I will get to our list after that. All right. Well, Jonathan, who actually was uh, the only one that sent in his list for the running backs, also sent in his uh, list for the offensive linemen, which we greatly appreciate. Absolutely. He's, he's actually... He clarified he is a a high school football coach, actually a defensive line, offensive line coach, and defensive coordinator in a at a small school in South Carolina. His top five in order are Nicholas Petit Ferrer, William Barnes, Avery Jones, Ed Montillis, and Josh Azudu. So that's his. Then we also have um, Patrick, who's from Asheville. And his list, very similar. I actually, it's exactly the same as Jonathan. <laughs> so this is not going to be all that um, exciting. Uh, Petit Ferrer, William Barnes, Avery Jones, Ed Montillis, and Joshua Azudu. And then the last submission was from uh, Deldrick from Nightdale. And he too has the exact same <laughs> ranking. So at least there's oh, a consensus among, among the uh, listeners. So again, Petit Ferrer, 
William Barnes, Avery Jones, Ed Montillis, and Joshua Azudu. So I guess the um, I guess we got to see if if our rankings fall in line with the listeners. So uh, how do you want to do this? You want to do last time we did every other, which is I think is a good idea. Um, do do we want to flip a coin, or how do we want to determine who goes first? Um, I think you went first last time, Don. So I'll go first okay. this time. Okay. And yeah, we'll just rotate every other. So to get started off with, my number five spot is actually going to be the same as our three listeners that sent in theirs with Joshua Azudu. How do you Azudu. properly pronounce that? Azudu. 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 Okay, got it. Yeah, so he was my number five guy. And real quick, I do want to say a special shout out to those three, um, to the three listeners for sending in their things. Really appreciate it, guys. And I agree with y'all that he is the number five, but it was very, very close, though, I feel like, between him and Ed Montillas. And you kind of have to almost have a grain of salt with ranking Joshua at the five spot because I think out of the five offensive linemen, he's been playing football by far the least. And you can tell that because his technique is okay. I actually felt that his technique might have been a little bit better than my number four guy. Um, and Joshua does have excellent size for the position. However, I think a lot of his improvements going to be in mentality and to work on how to leverage his body because a lot of the film in high school, it's, it's difficult to really properly rank offensive line guys, I feel like, because you know, a lot of the time, they're just so much bigger than other mm -hmm. kids. So they can get by just the fact that, you know, for Azedu, he's listed at 6'4 to almost 290. And so when he's going up against guys that are, you know, may not even be six foot and 240, yeah, he's going to be able to really push him around. But I think that he is going to be a guard in college. I do not see him being able to shift out to that tackle spot. And he is someone that I think is going to need at least two or three years of really good coaching to figure out how to really play that offensive line. But his size, you can't really teach that. And I do see that there's a good base to start with with him. Well, I am going to, um, I guess, be the outsider here with this. And um, although it's not, I, I'm not deviating too far from everybody else. I'm going with Ed Montillas for my number five. Um, mm -hmm. I liked his mobility. I felt like he str struggled with leverage. Um, but, I, but I also felt like he had a lot of the tools to, um, to develop into a really good offensive lineman. The other thing is which you really appreciate William Barnes a lot more for, um, especially because you're able to compare them in the same system against the same competition, mm -hmm. is that because of the offense that they run, which is a single-wing offense, there is virtually zero pass protection, I guess, uh, skill for for those for that offensive line. As um, Jonathan actually, or, or message board, Jonathan actually mentioned to um, to us in response that he actually has attended multiple practices at uh, Apaca, and they actually don't practice um, pass protection. So it, it's really amazing, and I know we're not talking about Barnes right now, but it's amazing that Barnes is such a good pass protector in 
uh, situations like um, you know the, uh, Nike the opening and uh, the U.S. Army All-American game and those practices and at all those different camps and combines. But Montellus really it really has um, kind of harmed him, I believe. So that's that's my my number five. Now, do you want me to go with my number four? Yeah, let's uh let's keep it to the same one that we did last time. So now you okay. give your number four, then I'll give mine. Okay, so like I said, I'm not too far off from everybody else. Uh, Joshua Azudu is my my number four. Um, and I I do have a question for you. So when you were watching his film, did you watch his junior film or his senior film, or do you well, remember? For Azudu, I watched his. I think it was the senior film. It was not okay. the video on two four seven. It was the one on Huddle. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I, well, I think that it could have been, well, I'm, I'm assuming it's a senior film, um, but it could have been the junior film just because I think all of his film is on his huddle. But um, the one thing I liked about him is that the progress, I felt like he showed a lot of progress between his junior and senior years. And that's really kind of um, coincides with the, the attention that he received. I think he received like, uh, I think it was five power five off offers in December. And a lot of that is, in response to uh, the progress he made his senior year. I liked him. I, I thought he was one of the better uh, pass protectors, but I felt like he was a little bit too finesse of a, mm-hmm. of a blocker. He's not a guy who's going to just um, – he's not gonna guy who's going to uh, collect all the pancakes and kind of drill guys into the ground. So, you know, that, that was the thing that I didn't like about him, but I thought that he was – you know, he's a smart kid and was really good at, at pass protection. I, I think I, I kind of differ from you. I think he's he's a guy that that could be a, a left tackle because of his ability to um, pass protect. Do so you want to give your number four? Yeah, just real quick on Azadu though. I mean, I literally put down needs to develop a nasty streak um, yes, in my notes on him. Exactly and, what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, and so I think where we we are on on that between tackle and guard. I don't know if I'd say left tackle. I think maybe right tackle. I honestly didn't see really enough of his hips and footwork. That's why I thought that maybe he would be guard. Um, but yeah, we'll see on, on that one. Um, my number four was Ed Montillas. I'm sure that's not a surprise to anyone. You talked about it a little bit already, Don. The main thing that popped out to me for Ed was his quickness. He is he has really good speed um, for mm-hmm. alignment, especially for someone as big as he is. I felt that he did a good job of getting his shoulders around to make blocks. He does, though, stand up a little bit too tall, and I think that's you know, just something that a lot of high school kids do. Mm-hmm. The, the, but the number one thing I thought that Ed really needed to work on was getting stronger because even as big as he is, I felt that he relied on his quickness and just the fact that he is naturally bigger at this point than a lot of kids rather than really, truly using his power and holding blocks. So that's something that I think Ed will definitely need to work on when he gets to college. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So you want to go with your number three, or did you go two in a row already? Yep. No, I haven't done number three yet. And my three, three. yep, and my three is going to be the same as the other guys. Uh, Avery (laughs) Jones was my number three. And it's not a knock on Avery at all. I just think that there is kind of a gap between these three guys and then the two names that are remaining, William Barnes and Nicholas petit Foray. But Avery, I think, out of the... I almost think that there's also a decent bit of separation between him and Joshua and Ed. 
because with Avery Jones, when you're watching his film, he is a powerful blocker. He does have really good athleticism, and he's very aggressive with his blocks. He has that nasty streak. <laughs> Avery Jones does. I do think, though, that he needs to really improve on his techniques. He does not get very low in his stance. I didn't see a whole lot of really good handwork from him, but I think that that's something that can come naturally because he has a lot of just raw talent and skill. And Avery is someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do after he gets to Carolina. I also had Avery Jones as number three, just like the rest of our listeners did, or the <laughs> listeners that, that submitted their rankings did. I have a lot of similar thoughts that you had. The one thing I want to point out is that he did not play offensive line as a senior. So all the film that, mm-hmm. that we watched was from his junior year. So he could be much better than what we know. Uh, but you know his his high school team, and this happens very often, his high school team needed some size on the defensive line, and he plays for a high school that does two-platoon their team. So basically, if you play one side, you probably aren't going to play the other side unless you're like a – a skill guy who's doesn't have like a, a a a crucial role on one of the sides of the ball. So, but I I felt like you know looking at his junior film and then also looking at him in camp settings and everything was he's a smart kid. He's very very quiet. You know, um, he, he's he's kind of a you know a little bit of a different guy on on the field. Very no nonsense. You know, doesn't get into you know much talking on the field or off the field. Kind of just does his job and goes back to the huddle sort of thing. But yeah, I, I love his his uh, mean streak. Um, he plays a lot of power, and it's mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like you don't expect it from him. He also has great footwork, and as I said, he's very smart. Um, and and he plays t- he's, well. He has played left tackle, right tackle for Havelock, but I definitely see him moving inside. And if he can prove to be able to to snap you know, in games on a college level, I think uh, center will probably be his his best position yeah Avery I think in terms of the guys who are talking about he probably has I felt like maybe the the frame that might not be able to add a whole lot of weight I think with Ed and Joshua they had I could see both of those guys developing into 300 maybe 300 plus for Avery Jones I would almost worry that if he got close to 300 he would be losing some of that explosiveness that he showed so, yeah, maybe center would be good for him. And and I think that actually him playing defensive tackle, Don, kind of helps out with that mean streak because mm-hmm. you, know, you have to have a certain mentality to, to play DT. Yeah, and, you know, the, the the weird thing with him, though, is is even though he's not this, like I said, he's not this um an angry guy, you know what I mean? But he does, you could see, I mean, he plays angry. But yeah. it's like he finishes his block and then he kind of gets up and, and it's over. You know, whereas like a William Barnes, um, and we'll talk to, about him in a second, he's a guy who he will bury you. He will, he will, you know, be very demonstrative. He will let you know that he just buried you <laughs> as if you don't know already because you're picking grass out of your helmet and, and you're trying to get up. But he will let you know, clap his hands, do all that sort of stuff. Avery just, you know, buries you and kind of walks away like nothing happened sort of thing. So, um, but let's continue so we can wrap this on up. Um, this is, this is going to sound redundant, but, uh, William Barnes is my number two, you know, as Uh I mentioned, I I love his competitiveness. 
And I think that really has helped him with pass protection, particularly in one-on-one situations. He's a guy who you you kind of almost you know love him if he's on your team, hate him if he's if he's not, because he's going to let you know when he makes a big play on you, when he, when he buries you, or uh, if he beats you on a one-on-one and that sort of thing. And as I mentioned earlier, what really impresses me is the fact that he's such a good pass protector, even though he doesn't really practice it in high school. I almost wonder how he became such a good pass protector, uh, you know. But uh, I know he's being recruited as an offensive tackle by North Carolina. But I really believe that he's going to end up moving to guard. He might play some tackle early on, or maybe if there's some injuries and he needs to kind of fill in a tackle. But I just I watch him and I just see guard. He has the mobility to pull and trap and those sort of things. And you know he comes with power, and he's able to turn his mobility into power, into additional power. That's what I really like about him. So why don't you go ahead with your your number two? All right. So my number two, I'm actually going to go against the grain a little bit here. My number two was the five star recruit, actually Nicholas Petit Ferret. Wow. Okay. All yeah. right. I like um, I like the I like differing opinions. Go ahead. So when I was watching the film of him and William Bards. Both of them are elite. What ended up kind of making the difference is that I felt that with Petit Ferre, I don't really see a lot of the same versatility that I did with William Barnes. However, when you're watching Petit Ferre, you can see that he is going to be a potential bedrock on any college offensive line. Alabama, Clemson, all of those schools he could start possibly as soon as like a redshirt year. But I think though that that's kind of one of the keys is he does need a redshirt year because his size, I felt that he needs to get a little bit bigger. He has the mean streak though. If you watch some of the drills, he gets after guys. Uh, It's kind of the same thing that William Barnes does. And he has great footwork. He has good hips. He can use his hands pretty well. But the num- but the kind of knock I-, I thought with him was that he's going to need to put on about maybe 20 to 25 pounds if he's going to play tackle at college because I don't see him playing on the interior. That's the biggest difference between him and William Barnes. I see him having to play out wide and I don't think that he necessarily has the size for that right now. However, I think he could put on that size, and I don't think he lose a lot of his quickness. But as it stands right now, I put him as my number two, which means that obviously my number one is William Barnes, and Barnes to me was the complete package in terms of when I was looking at, at these five guys. He has the footwork, he has the strength, he has the quickness, he has the mentality. I mean, William Barnes might have played as a freshman for Carolina last year. That's not saying a whole, whole lot, but I think that he is just that good. And the and the thing I like about him is I see him at tackle. I know you see him at, at guard, Don. I do see him as playing tackle, but I think he could excel at either because he has such good footwork that if you needed him to play a guard, he could pull very, very well. I mean, he gets around the corners. He blocks with ferocity. He is the guy that I would put number one on my board, and obviously, that's what I did in these rankings. All right, we didn't do a drum roll this time. 
So oh, we did forget. So obviously everybody knows mine is Petit Frere. The thing, I mean, I just felt like he was, you know, your franchise left tackle. He's a guy that is is going to lock on to his defender and, you know, take them away from the play. There was actually a couple of plays on his highlights. I know the first one, and I think there was a couple um, couple plays later, where it reminded me of the movie The Blind Side, where um, they <laughs> told um, the kid. Yeah. Well, well, not only did it lift the kid, but take him out, you know, out onto the sideline, beyond the sideline. Now, uh, Petit Ferrer didn't take him beyond the sideline, but he did take a couple kids to the sideline, which I thought was extremely impressive. I just love the fact that he's able to lock onto a kid, and and basically, you know, the defender can't do anything. He can't mm-hmm. break the block. It's a legal block. He's not holding the kid. He does what he needs to do. He's also, um, I loved his athleticism for his size which obviously helps him with kind of locking on and, and engaging and, and not allowing his defender to do, any, to do anything, really. Great lateral movement, long arms. Um, you know, I mean, you name it, he has it for a, for a left tackle. And that's, that's why I went with him. Um, I really think, you know, I, I, I can't have, I don't have much argument for putting Barnes number one. Yeah, I think you could e- e- do either one, to be honest with you. But, uh, but for me personally, I went with Petit Ferrer. Yeah, and you're really splitting hairs when it comes down to those two guys because both of them are elite. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. Well, the but, other thing, too, is mm-hmm. as those who follow Inside Carolina for the past, well, for a very long time, I've been doing the in-state rankings right around May or June-ish, depending on what's going on that year. But in a lot of cases, someone will ask, well, why did you rank this guy number 25 and this guy number 21? And in a lot of cases, it's like you're splitting hair so much. And, you know, it's not that you don't like number 25. It's just that you like these other guys ranked ahead of them better, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not like some a negative thing. And a lot of times people look at rankings and they'll look at our rankings and say, well, I guess Zudu is not very good. No, that's not really the case. It's just that Petit Ferrer and Barnes and Jones are, are better, you know? Yeah. Exactly. But I do think, though, that out of Avery Jones, Joshua Azadu, and Ed Montillas, the one that I think might end up being just as successful in college is Avery Jones. I think he has the the most potential out of the guys that we ranked three, four, and five. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is he has that mentality. He doesn't uh-huh. want the attention. He's a very, you know, he's a country boy. He's no nonsense, just kind of does his job and doesn't care for the frills and, and, and all of that. So he's a guy who's going to work. He, you know, if you look, his coach, his head coach actually sent me a picture of him from obviously this year compared to, I think, a couple of years ago. And the way that his body has molded, you know, the, the muscle he's put on is very, very impressive. So clearly, you know, it's one thing to have weightlifting classes. And uh-huh. anybody who's who goes into weightlifting classes, you see the guys who are working, you see the guys who are goofing off on their cell phones on the side. Avery Jones clearly is one of those guys who goes in the weight room and puts in the work. And obviously that should should only carry over to his college career. Absolutely. All right, Don, we'll go ahead and take a quick commercial break here. When we get back, I wanted to get your recap of the huge official visit weekend. Before we uh-huh. wrap this up, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier i think we need to do another rankings thing and i think that we need to urge the listeners to we tripled the submissions 
last time around. I think we we need to at least double double it this time around. And uh, I think it might be a little bit more of a fun position if we do defensive line. What do you think? I was either going to say defensive line or wide receiver, but yeah, let's go defensive line because Carolina still has a couple guys out there. Wide receiver is basically Antoine Green or bust at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've in our rankings we've included the UNC commits, but that still only leaves us with three, three yeah. um, receivers. But at least with the defensive line, we'll go with Chris Collins, obviously, um, Lance Ture, Jamarcus Chapman, Julio Taylor, Rick Sandage, and Gavin, Gavin Lewis. Lewis. Yep. So that's um, that's six. That's a little bit more than what we've been working with. So let's try to get those numbers up. Um, All right. As far as the submissions are concerned, sounds good. Let's do it. We'll plan to go ahead and do that. That'll be something that we can work on over the weekend, and we'll try to get those listed uh, next Monday for our usual UNC football recruiting pod. So, everyone listening, stay tuned for that. We'll be back in just a second. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors, we do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome back to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Don Callahan. We are now into the second portion of the podcast where we are going to be talking about the official visit weekend that UNC just had. Don, this was the biggest one of the year, and as we said with our preview pod, I think the most important one as well. So go ahead and give us just the rundown of everything that happened over this weekend. Well, North Carolina hosted 15 official visitors over the weekend. Nine of them are non-UNC commits. Majority of those aren't committed anywhere, but you have guys like Anthony Grant, who is committed to Tennessee, and then also Matthew Flint, who was committed to Tennessee. At the very least, this visit has resulted in Matthew Flint decommitting from Tennessee, which he did shortly after leaving Chapel Hill. And then he committed to North Carolina on Monday. And not only did he commit, he actually made the decision to uh, jump back into his car and drive to Chapel Hill and move in to his dorm. So he'll be enrolling in the spring semester at North Carolina and be able to participate in spring practice. Besides that, there was a lot of positive vibes. I mean, everything that, that I've heard from sources and from recruits themselves, I spoke to every recruit who who've officially visited North Carolina this past weekend. And everything was positive. The majority of the guys said that North Carolina was their leader or one of their top schools or something along those lines. A lot of the guys mentioned things about thinking about committing. I urge everybody to go read our scoop, the mega official visit weekend scoop on Inside Carolina's message board. It has updates on all the main guys who officially visit North Carolina over over the weekend. So let me ask you, John, when you found out that Gavin Lewis and Matthew Flint were added to the official visit weekend, which I failed to mention earlier on. What went through your mind? Well, it was definitely an eyebrow raise, especially with Matthew Flint, because UNC needs linebackers 
at this point. Um, they are still recruiting Dax Holyfield, but that is obviously not a guarantee. And UNC needs to get bodies at that position, I felt like, because there's some availability there. The talent level is maybe not what Carolina fans would necessarily hope to see at the linebacker position. So Flint was the one that stood out. And, you know, there was some whispers that the visit was going really well for Flint over the weekend. I think you posted the story early on Monday that Flint was leaning towards UNC. And then it was, what, just maybe a couple hours afterwards that he went ahead and gave the commitment. So I was very happy to see that. I know he's a three-star guy, but I was able to watch just a little bit of, of his film. I liked what I saw. He has good size, good athleticism, and it's just always a good sign when you have a big official visit weekend and you get someone to commit right afterwards because maybe there's another prospect who thought about going ahead and committing, but for whatever reason, they wanted to hold off. But when you see one of the guys that you just spent 48 hours hanging out with go ahead and pull the trigger, you know, it may go ahead and put into your mindset, you know what? Let me just go ahead and end this now. I'm not going to wait. So hopefully it leads to kind of a domino effect, but at the very least, it was very important to get one commit out of this weekend. Yeah, and, and let me give a little bit of background before we proceed. Both Matthew Flint and Gavin Lewis are, are from Alabama. There are mm-hmm. recruits that North Carolina wasn't involved with a couple weeks ago, if not less. And, and they really didn't get involved and probably would never have gotten involved if it wasn't for Tommy Thigpen being added to the staff. Both were recruited to Tennessee by Tommy Thigpen. Tennessee had, I guess, a lukewarm interest in Gavin Lewis. But Matthew Flint, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, he committed to Tennessee. And his primary recruiter at Tennessee at the time was Tommy Thigpen. Things kind of went south once Tennessee had all the changes on their coaching staff. And clearly, as you mentioned, North Carolina needs linebackers, so they um, reached out to Flint, and they really they had it. They had the official visit tentatively scheduled for about a week, but it wasn't a hundred percent until until Friday. To be completely honest, um, they had to finalize mm-hmm. some things, paperwork wise, and everything like that. Uh-huh. Um, I have another question for you. Yeah, a lot of UNC fans weren't. I just got the feeling just reading the message board responses, and and that's probably not a very good barometer. But they weren't all that happy with how the the December signing period went um, as far as who was signed. Maybe not necessarily certain guys, but just the general class. Based off of this past weekend with who they had come in and the responses from those guys, how are you feeling now? Well, I felt that the December signing class was solid. I don't think it was anything like very spectacular, but I thought that it was a good class, but I was hopeful that Carolina was still going to add some guys. And with this official visit weekend, this was kind of the opportunity for Carolina to really get some upper echelon type players. I mean, you had William Barnes, the the four-star. You had guys like Flint who ended up committing. You had the running back guys on campus. It was very, very important, and I kind of view this as if Carolina can land, you know, maybe just three of these commitments, it's really going to change, I think, the entire perception 
especially as far as the fan base is concerned, of this recruiting class. I think if you asked Coach Fedora right now, you know, of course he would say, we're very happy with, with who we have. You know, we go to war with these guys. He would do the, the standard coach speak. But at the same time, the staff is wanting to get these players that are just that next level. But the flip side of that is if you are recruiting those guys, a majority of the time, they're going to use up all of their official visits. So even though a lot of the guys said afterwards, as you said in your scoop, Don, you know, they might be really high on Carolina or even UNC might be the favorite. And, you know, for those who want to actually read and see who said that, check out the scoop on the Tarpit Premium Message Board. But at the same time, there, I think, what, almost every single one of them still has official visits left to go. So the work is not done yet. You have to expect that recruiting this caliber of prospect. Absolutely. And I feel like North Carolina is in the best position they've ever been with William Barnes, for example. Uh But they have two objectives for this next, I guess it's less than a month now, is one, they got to fight off Florida from getting, hopefully fight off Florida from getting an official visit. Because I think that that's still scary. It's great that Florida does not have an official visit because, you know, the distance, the the proximity to his his family works in their favor. And the fact that um, he has uh, a strong familiarity with the, uh, the campus because um, uh-huh. he's been there a bunch of times. So that's number one. The other one is is you still have Old Miss, which I don't feel like they're much of a threat, but I guess I guess you never know with SEC. Uh, but with all their sanctions and all that other stuff that's going on there, um, and they have they basically have a lame duck coach, they're probably not much of a threat. Um, Auburn could potentially be a threat, especially because they have basically the last at bat. You know, they have that official visit the weekend before signing day, and as soon as that official visit ends. Um, well, depending on the time, the time it works out, but, but conceivably they can have the official visit end, uh, basically right before the dead period starts. So North Carolina will only be allowed to talk to him on the phone. So, um, they kind of have to fight that off, um, with, with, with that situation with the other guys, it, it's similar, but not as I guess c- clear cut. You know, I think North Carolina is in a great position with, with Antoine Green, We'll have a story up on him sometime this week where he breaks down what's going on with him. And you can kind of see from his words just where he's at with everything. You know, North Carolina's hanging in there with Jamarcus Chapman. I mean, they made a lot of really good progress. The two running backs yeah. that are there, Cavassier Smoke, Anthony Grant, North Carolina really is is in it with these guys. Um, but I urge everybody to read the uh, the scoop that we posted because it, it breaks it down. And we'll ha- we, we, we will have stories on every single non-UNC commit who officially visited over the weekend sometime this week it will be posted you know an update on each one of those guys great to hear I will certainly be reading those and it's like you said Don this was just kind of the biggest opportunity for UNC to really establish themselves as a school where these guys could commit to it's kind of one of those things where a lot of guys take official visits just to you know, kind of just to take an, an official visit. I mean, it's a free trip, food's paid for, you know, Carolina is a nice campus. So, you know, some guys maybe just want to take a visit just to see how it is, but their interest may not be 100%, I guess, genuine is a way to say it. I mean, that sounds well, it could bad. Be like but... a, 
it could be a courtesy visit. You know, the yeah. coaches are hounding you and everything like that. And you're like, all right, all right, I'll go check it out. But no, exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. North Carolina obviously is not going to get every one of these kids to officially visit over the weekend. But all of them, UNC is a legit option for all of them, which I think is, is you know, it's a really all you the, can ask for, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a credit to the coaching staff's efforts. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't win if you never, you know, play the hand so <laughs> absolutely you, you gotta at least try you, you and... miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take yes all right let's what what else let's, can we yeah let's let's throw out some old just uh cliches yeah let's just throw them out <laughs> don i think uh i'm about talked out for this one how about you though yeah yeah i got a uh, bunch of craziness in my house that i gotta deal with so all right Sounds good. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks again for talking to me, man. For everyone who wants to get that full scoop on the official visit weekend, do check out Don's piece on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, and we'll talk to everyone again later on. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.